0: Hi everyone, thank you for joining us on Eagle Eye today. Every week we have exclusive interviews with your favorite BC student athletes, professors, alumni, and more. We're your hosts, Eamon O'Malley and Jack
1: berger Today Today's exciting because we have a special guest, Earl Grant. Coach Grant is the head coach of Boston College's men's basketball team. Coach Grant previously played Division II basketball at Georgia College and served as the head coach at the College of Charleston from 2014 to 2021. Coach, thank you for joining us today. Can you give us a little more background on yourself?
2: Yeah, I mean, background about myself, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm a, you know, husband, been married for uh, coming up on 18 years in May, and I have three sons, um, 15, 14 and 10 years old. Um, So, you know, obviously, that's a big part of probably the biggest portion of, you know, my life is devoted uh, to trying to be a good husband, good father. Certainly, um, I love the position I'm in to have a chance to coach and lead young men. You know, try to help them chase their dreams and try to help them to pick up some some values and some uh, habits that will allow them to be successful in life. Um, you know, and try to and try to get to the NCAA tournament. You know, like uh, try to do special things uh, that we all can be proud of. So, um, but yeah, just I got into coaching because. Um, I, I didn't want to stop being in the gym. You know, I graduated college in 2000 and I thought about going in the air force right after graduating and, um, you know, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my psychology degree. And so I was working camps all summer, you know, Gary Williams camp at Maryland and, you know, go out to Cincinnati, Bobby Huggins and, you know, Citadel, sit college of Charleston and UT Chattanooga. I was just working camps and, um, at the end of the summer, it was August, and it was time to go back to campus, to school, you know, and I played ball my whole life. And so it was an awkward mo- moment in August when I didn't have to pack my car and go back to campus. So I thought about going in the Air Force, and then my college coach ended up calling me um, that summer and asked me to come back and be a graduate assistant, and uh, that's how it all started in 2000.
1: Can you talk a little bit about your first year at the Heights? Obviously you've been coaching for a while now, but this was the first time you've been, you know, in a conference like the ACC. What was that transition like? Was it hard? Was there anything that you didn't expect?
2: I mean, no, I mean, I coached at Clemson for multiple years. So I had played here against Boston College and you know, I had played in all the venues in the ACC, you know, uh, multiple times. So, um, but in terms of me being actually the head coach here, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was unbelievable, just because I, I inherited a group of players that were hungry. Uh, a couple of guys that were left over from the previous um, team in in twenty twenty one, and then those guys were just really hungry. They had been through a lot of adversity, and so you know a lot of time adversity is is a very healthy thing for growth. And so um, it's hard to be a good team if you hadn't gone through anything. So. You know, inherited some guys. I was very fortunate to to bring in some new players. Um, you know that we were able to get uh, that did a great job of coming in and acclimating themselves to to BC and and uh, just really working hard. So I was proud of how we developed. You know, at the beginning, it was all about trying to build a foundation of of how we should act, how we should conduct ourselves, um, how hard we should work how we should treat each other, how important honesty is, you know, being a part of a campus, knowing that you're not uh, anything bigger than any other student on this campus, you're a small part of this institution, the humility of it, um, how important it is to serve. You know, so really we were trying to just focus on those things. I really wasn't focused on, hey, we gotta go win and beat, beat this team. It was more like day-to-day habits and you know, how winning people conduct themselves, you know, go to class, you know, sit up front, take the hoodie off, like, you know, just simple things. And so, um, so for me, it was a good first year because winning is a means to an end. I think we worked on all of those foundational things. I think we built a foundation in year one. And then in result of that, we were able to find some success. Um, And I thought we finished the season strong and we looked like a team that cared about each other. We looked like a team that knew how to work hard. And so, you know, it was it was a good first year in terms of foundation. Now we got to try to build on it.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, I know uh, the really cool thing about your kind of whole coaching strategy is your kind of like gritty, not pretty mentality, like focusing on the defensive end, and um, that's been so prevalent, especially in the second half of the season, which the team really started to pick that up. Um, you see, like even losing games, like the team would just be like scrapping till the finish. Um, how is that mentality kind of um, developed throughout the season, and how do you kind of foster that?
2: Well, I mean, I, you know, it's just a lot of times when you're trying to build a, a company or a team or you know a community, a lot of times uh, if you're the person that actually building it then the things that you believe and the things that are important to you, uh, you know, are gonna reveal themselves. So, you know, um, my dad was a self-employed guy, you know, who was handicapped a lot of my life early on. Uh, he had to learn how to walk and talk again. Um, and I watched that, you know, as a young seven, eight, nine-year-old kid, you know, he started a landscaping company, uh, you know, where we would, you know go get pine scroll out of the, you know, out of the woods and bring it back on a big truck and bail it up and, and, and you know, neighborhoods and do landscaping. So um, early on, rolling up your sleeves and working was something that I saw. And so, you know, I, and not making excuses um, for, you know, maybe things that you don't have or, or not complaining about tough times and so i think i saw that so i think for me you know that's kind of who i am i believe you got to roll up your sleeves and work if you're a man you got to work somebody gonna be dependent on you might be your teammate right now but it's gonna be your children one day you know so and and to be a dependable man you gotta be an everyday man you gotta work hard you gotta be honest and so a lot of that uh gritty not pretty is just you know that's just who we are and and I think working at Wichita State uh, for years, when we built a team that went from nine wins to 27 wins, a program that had to climb the mountain to get to a final four, and working at some of the places you developed that over, the, at, over your career. Um, you know, my first job was a Division two job, you know, and so we didn't have a budget, you know, we didn't have, uh, we drove the van to the games, day of the game. Uh, my second job was the Citadel, a military academy where when we went out and recruited players, the guys that we got, we didn't beat anybody. Nobody else wanted them, you know. We had yeah. to work with to those guys better. So so that's just kind of how I grew up in the profession, and and I think uh, I'm thankful that I saw some of those things because now I can share that experience with my players and hopefully they can learn from it and, and they can go out and be successful men as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've also, along with
1: Greedy not pretty, you've talked about wanting to play your best best basketball in March. I honestly think you guys did. I mean, you had a nice run there in the A C tournament, like so close to making it to the semifinals. Can you just talk a little bit about playing your best basketball in March and just the A C tournament in general, and
2: how how tough that was, but also how reward, rewarding it was? Yes, yeah, you know, it's a long season, um, and so you know, a lot of it is when you're trying to pursue to become a good team the one thing you have to do is you have to stay the course and you can't grow weary. And so we talked about not growing weary. And, and a lot of that is, you know, in the middle of December, uh, early January, you got, you know, four games and eight days. And you know, there's, there's, there's a reason to um, get a little bit uncomfortable, uh, especially if you don't win all of those games. And so the only way you can be your best in March is if you focus on the process of, of getting better and, and growing and, and, you know, and just making sure that the result doesn't have anything to do with how you show up that next day. Um, you're still going to come in and try to get better. You're going to have a good attitude. Um, so I think our guys did a great job of just staying the co- course and not growing weary and, and believing in what we were trying to accomplish. Um, and it's tough, too, when you're not playing for NCAA tournament in terms of, like, an at-large bid um, or, like, an at-large NIT bid. You know, some teams are playing for that in their last six games. You know, for us, we were just playing for BC Nation. We were playing for pride. We were playing for our student body. You know, our community, uh, and playing for each other. So, I give the guys credit. Um, you know, for for doing what they needed to do in terms of just keep getting better. And I thought that's why we were able to, you know, have that run in March.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know James Carnack actually said when you guys lost against Miami that. You know, he honestly thought you guys had a chance to win the entire tournament. Was that a mindset of you guys, or was it kind of just one game at a time and let's see where this takes us?
2: Well, I think sometimes when you are at the mid major level for a lot of years, you've you always remember going into the tournament. The only thing you thought about was the postseason tournament because you had to win that to get to the big dance. You had to punch your ticket. Yeah. So in all honesty, you know, I went into the tournament just wanting to advance and, and, and advance one round at a time. And so our thought was, hey, look, it's hard to win the whole tournament if you can't advance. So you can't go down the first game. Like, you got to be ready the first game, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what seeds you are. And so we got that done. We won. Second round, we had Wake Forest, and that was more like, hey, look, they had a great year. They got to the play of the year. Uh, we got to slay a giant. You know, we got to slay a giant. And you know, we were able to do it. And then the the next game was like a breakthrough game. If you could break through, Mm -hmm. you could clearly see the path and what's coming up on the horizon. And we were close. We just couldn't break through. So, um, but you know, God's will is God's will. Um, You know, we didn't we didn't break through, but we live to see another day. We got guys returning. We got new players coming in, and so we can stay on this climb and continue to try to get up to the top of the hill.
0: Right, yeah, I think as you mentioned before, um, the fan support um, obviously played a a big part in uh, your success this year and and just the overall team atmosphere. Um, And I know I've seen basically you all over the place and fundraisers at BC and um, always see you on Instagram celebrating with the team after big wins. It's always so great to see. Um, How's that kind of BC culture um, impacted the team and um, how have you kind of embraced the school in that sense?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, it's a special place here. Um, that's part of the reason why I feel so fortunate to, to have an opportunity to be coached here. Uh, the type of people uh, that we have in, in the school, whether it be student body or staff, faculty and staff, I think we've got good people here. Um, you know, people come in for the right reasons. And, and so I think our players, um, you know, we, I really want them to understand how fortunate they are to have this opportunity as well. But our, our fans were really good. You know, again, it's all it's all perspective. You know, uh, we got a program that's, that's trying to, uh, in the pursuit of being a really good team and a really good program. And, you know, we in pursuit of that. So I think that, you know, to see where we were when, when we first started playing games to how it got as the season went along, you know, uh, it just got better. And so I think our fans were excited I thought you know the student body showed up you know and and so it was great to see you know in a foundational year that we can have some support and I hope that the way our team finished coming down to the last part of the season give people more excitement about next year so hope, hopefully we can go from where we were last year in terms of support and take it up to another level um, that's a part of that climb as well it's not just wins and losses it's, it's support by the fans and the beautiful thing is when I see freshmen on campus all the time. I said, "Hey, I'm a freshman too. Like, yeah. and so we we came we came in together, and so we're gonna have some opportunities to climb the hill together. We're gonna have some opportunities to do some special things, and so uh, I look forward to us continuing to grow and grow our fans and you know grow our relationships with the students, um, you know get people excited, and uh, and then it's BC Nation. You know, it's a big nation. People from, you know, from Boston, uh, Tokyo." to San Francisco, to New York, you know, so to Florida. Um, BC Nation is a wide range of people. So, you know, we're doing it for the nation. We're excited about what's what's coming up and uh, we're looking forward to moving the program forward next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've talked, you just talked about, you know, growing as a team, but also growing, you know, as a fan base, as a community. Is there any specific philosophy that you have as a coach that you preach to your players, or is there like a coach a great coach that you look up to that you, you know, base your, your teachings off of, or is it all sort of your own? Can you just talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. I mean, I grew up, um, well, I grew up in the business, especially back in 2000 when I was a graduate assistant, you know, I really just wanted to be a high school coach and, you know, cultivate a community, uh, a campus a community and get people fired up about the type of, uh, young men, we were developing uh, what they saw when they came to the game. And so, you know, early on I was thinking high school, but I did really spend a lot of time studying uh, Judd Heathcote, um, Tom Izzo, uh, Kelvin Sampson, you know, and so Michigan State, you know, uh, Judd Heathcote was a coach there and he was, he had, you know, Tom Izzo on his staff and. You know Kevin Sampson working under him so they believed in hard work they believed in defense they believed in togetherness and uh, they believed in doing things the right way and and so you know I watched them growing up thought those guys really um, you know inspired me 20, 20 years ago and then another guy um, that really inspired me you know when I was maybe first couple years in college was uh, we had a legendary coach at the College of Charleston called John Cress and he had came, he was a New York guy. He came from New York. He was working for um, the uh, I think it was the New York Jets at the time, for the old ball coach uh, that was a legend at St. John's. His name just slipped me. Um, the legendary coach that was at St. John's, but I, I'll tell you his name in a second, but but John Cress worked for him was St. John's and New York Jets. I think New York Jets was a basketball team back then and the New Jersey Jets, they were the Jets. And so, and then he came down to College of Charleston in the eighties, I was like a teenager. You know, I was like 11, 12, 13 years old. And he took a little NAIA school, College of Charleston to the NCAA big dance, you know, and they they competed against Stanford and Georgia Tech. So I saw that as a high school kid, how that program lifted up, that inspired me. you know, he, he spent 20 years there. They were the giant killers. And so, and then I had the opportunity to coach at College of Charleston, that same program that I admired growing up. So, so I would say they they were the ones that really, uh, you know, the Judd Heathcote family with Tom Izzo, Kelvin Sampson, and then watching, uh, you know, what John Crest did. Lou Carneseca was the legendary coach at St. John's and in and, and the NBA team. But so watching what John Crest did at College of Charleston, that helped me.
0: That's great, yeah. Um, and I know obviously you've talked about it a bit, but um, for the off season right now, is there anything you're doing um, kind of to prep the team? Or I know you have some recruits coming in for next year. Um, is there any um, particular move you're trying to make there?
2: Well, right now, just you know, getting back in, uh, trying to finish strong academically, number one, okay? Trying to finish wrong academically, we got about three weeks left, so we can't grow weary there. Can't grow weary, so it's a lot of it not growing weary. Like here we go again, can't grow weary, and so we uh, got three weeks. You know, you can rest in the summer, and so, um, so really getting those guys to try to, you know, make these days count. We got about eleven days of class, and then we got study days, and then we got exams. So just finish. So that's number one. Number two, uh, we just started to get back in the gym um, now. You know, we wanted to take some time off. We started to get back in the gym now, you know, and work on individual uh, parts of guys' games. We, we, we've been able to coach them for years, so we know how they need to develop and what their strengths and weaknesses are. So that's our next phase. Um, and then, you know, we want to get involved with other sports teams, you know, support them, watch their games and continue to be, um, you know, supportive of other other teams. But that's where we are right now. That's kind of the extent of what we're doing at this point, but a big part of it is finishing strong academically.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess, you know, coach, the off season's coming up. Um, you've already had a few guys enter the transfer portal. So what is your mindset, you know, regarding the transfer portal? Obviously, there's a new rule recently where guys, you know, don't have to sit out that year. Um, how do you view that in terms of, you know, you look at the transfer portal, get new guys, but then recruiting is also super important. So like which one do you necessarily prefer or is it more of a combination of both and utilizing utilizing them both to the full extent?
2: Well, I mean, uh there's two parts to that. Number one, I don't love the transfer portal. I think what it does for college basketball is not 100% healthy. You know, I don't think it's great for the players. Like I think I think going through tough times is a part of developing, whether you are a student athlete or working for a Goldman Sachs or, you know, like, Hey man, I want to be promoted. I want to be in this position, but yeah, you got to work two more years before you can get it. So I think having to wait and be patient and work hard and not and staying encouraged and having a good attitude every day, even though you're not exactly getting what you want, is a fabric of being a successful person. So I don't love it. With that being said, we have to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. So I look at it as a positive. We had two guys going to portal. It's a positive for them. It's a positive for us. It's a positive for them because they feel like they want to play more and they don't want to wait any longer. So now they get a chance to do that. It's a positive for us because we get to go find and address some needs, find a guy we that fits into what we're doing to help us be better and also uh, address the needs. So I think it's a positive, but I don't necessarily love it because, you know, waiting and, and showing up every day and working with disappointment, uh, before being promoted to the highest person in the company has been a fabric of a, of a successful person. And now you don't have to wait. You just say, it's not working. I'm going to leave. And so I don't like that for kids. I don't like that for our business, but we do have to adapt to it.
1: You know, I could, I could totally see how coaches would find that a little scary with athletes. Um, But, you know, regarding the transfer portal, is there any particular type of player and need that you're looking at? Because I know you guys, you know, have a lot of guards, but Maybe the forward positions you might put a little light on. Is that something you're looking at with the transfer portal, or
2: no? Oh, well, I got to take in consideration of who we already got coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, we got four guys already coming in. They're gonna be freshmen. Yeah. And they're talented. They're talented freshmen, but they're just you know they're young. So I got to take in consideration of those guys. I think they can come in and help us. Um, you know, if I go into the portal, uh, we are looking at some guys. But you know, I'm I don't I'm not just looking for a great. I don't want to get seduced by the portal. Mm-hmm. I just not looking for a great player. I'm looking for a great person and a high character, tough worker that can fit and adapt to BC, compete academically and be a good citizen that just happened to be a good player. So there's a thousand people in the transfer portal. I got to figure out who's right for us, who's right for BC, who's right for us, who can help us move this program forward. So. So I'm trying to be very selective. You know, I'm not, I'm trying to not get too excited about everybody that goes in, mm-hmm. because you know, if you if you take for example, you got a guy that put his name in the portal two weeks left in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Hey, okay, Hey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or if you take a guy Ivy, a really good Ivy League who has to leave because he can't. They don't have grad school, mm-hmm. but he has to leave. What was his motives? What was his intent? Mm-hmm. Okay, why is he leaving? Why is he leading? And so I got to figure out the right guy. And so I got to, again, me and my staff got to be smart because I think we got a healthy locker room. I think our players enjoy each other. I think we got a lot coming back. So we got to get somebody that that's coming here to help move BC forward. And that's his motives.
1: Yeah, I mean, your guys' team chemistry, it's probably one of the best I've ever seen. And just I know a big part of that is Makai Ashton-Lingford, and he actually, you know, Recently, decided he's coming back for a final year. Can you talk about a little bit about that and just how involved you were in that decision? Kind of Makai's mindset in coming back for one more year to run it back.
2: Yeah, we got three. I got three sons, so I always look at it from a, a if it was my son's standpoint. Uh, I'm usually wanting to do what's best for the kid, you know. Um, and so me and him had a conversation a month ago, you know, right before the Syracuse game on the road and. I just told him, "Hey, look, you know, I know you're going to have an option to come back. Let's focus on finishing strong. And you know, you're going to have options professionally. Uh, if you did decide to come back, we would love to have you. But let's just finish strong. We'll talk about it after the year. So, um, you know, we talked about it. And it, there's some things he want to continue to develop. There's some desire in his heart to continue to move this program forward. Uh, obviously, he get another year to play with his brother." And so I think he's very excited about it, but I left it up to him. I wanted him to follow his heart and do what he felt that was best for him. And his decision was to come back and keep trying to push Boston College forward and uh, see can he continue to develop his game and develop as a man.
0: That's great, yeah. And I know Makai has basically spent his whole career at BC. Um, and these four freshmen you're bringing in, super talented. I know two four-star recruits, um, Donald Hand and Prince Ligby. Are those guys who really want to develop? And can you speak a little more to um, what you see in them, I guess?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're fortunate. Um, You know, they came to BC because they saw a great opportunity um, to come in and play. They came to BC because they saw a great opportunity to set themselves up for the next 40 years when the ball stopped bouncing as it pertains to the type of education. That they can get and the network that they can build, and you know, and the, you know, the degree at BC is like the American dollar. You can go anywhere. You can go to Tokyo, and people say, "Oh, wow, Boston College." They would know. So I think the players understand this was bigger than just a basketball decision. Um, but they were really talented. So I was like, "Man, that's awesome that we're getting guys that can really help the program," and they are really talented. But you know, the reasons for coming to BC. Had more to do than just basketball, so I think that you know, um, you know, we're really fortunate to to get and track the guys that we attracted, um, and we look forward to them coming in and help us move the program forward.
1: Yeah, well, um, Coach Grant, that, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, you know, we we got a lot out of this, and uh, we really we really appreciate you joining us.
2: Yeah, no problem, guys. Enjoy yeah. having you guys. Hopefully i see you around campus. No, yeah,
1: totally. totally Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we hope everyone enjoyed this episode of Eagle Eye. Make sure to tune in for next week's episode.